A very good morning to you all. My name is Derek and I'm one of the church leaders here at Ebenezer Church and it's a true privilege to have this opportunity to share a few thoughts with you. You know, in this further lockdown, we've all been instructed to stay at home. And I wonder, how are you going to use your time? How are you using your time during this current lockdown? My wife Angela and I, we've made a decision to do a bit of decorating in the house. We're decorating the dining room at the moment. And over the years, we've developed a decorating routine. What happens is this, I prepare the walls in the first place. So I fill in the cracks and the holes and I smooth the walls down. And then Angela follows me with the roller and she paints the walls. Now I remember times when having painted the ceiling, Angela would comment on the fact that her neck was hurting. In fact, she'd look me in the face and say something like, I've got a pain in the neck. I don't think she was talking about me. I think she was actually remarking on uh, an actual physical pain, an aching of the neck. Constantly looking skywards, painting the ceiling, of course. Now, last year, we did some painting in the lounge. And because Angela had broken her hand, I ended up preparing the walls and doing the painting. Now, when I painted the lounge ceiling, interestingly, I commented to Angela the fact that I felt a pain in the neck. Now, this is the point. I had the same experience. I shared the same pain. And I understood. In many ways, empathy was all the stronger. Now, today, the anchor point for my talk is to be found in a book in the Bible, Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, which simply says this, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. In our overarching theme of becoming family, it isn't hard to acknowledge the importance of peace, harmony, edification, support and help for one another. So today we're going to explore the subjects of empathy and encouragement. Now I'm going to read from another book in the Bible, the book of Luke. Jesus had died on the cross. That was an execution. His body had been buried in a tomb and many people had actually hoped that Jesus was going to be the answer to their pain and their suffering. After all, being the Jewish nation, they were under the cruel occupation of Rome. How could Jesus possibly be the hope when he had died? So I'm reading a story that took place after his death and burial, Luke chapter 24. Verse 13, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? 
What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, as Christians, as church, we are the family of God. But I suspect we still have a long way to go to be the family that God intended. We're still learning. We still get it wrong at times. Would you believe it? There can still be trouble in the family. We still hurt one another. So my aim today is to inspire us to exercise empathy and encouragement in our relationships with each other. In fact, it's in this environment of encouragement and empathy that our relationship with one another stands a far better chance of reaching full potential. We all have times when we need others to empathise with us and encourage us. In fact, I want to say this, encouragement goes a long way to support and help. Sometimes at specific moments or just ongoing. Criticism and speaking one another down seems so easy to do. I mean, why is it that when we think of another person, we can so easily highlight their faults, mistakes they've made? Just imagine the difference it would really make to the whole family environment if every single day we intentionally aimed at encouraging one other person. An email, a text, a message, a card, even a letter, a phone call. Especially during this current time when we can't physically be with each other. Did you notice in our reading we find Jesus joining two people on their walk to Emmaus. Now he could have shown himself to hundreds, maybe thousands, in the public place, maybe at the temple. But no, on this occasion he chose two people walking along a dusty road. They were sad, they were disheartened, and he chose to be with them. Just two of them, right in the middle of their sadness and their disappointment. Now the Apostle Paul in the Bible wrote to Thessalonica, he said this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. And I think we could approach this in a number of ways and I'm just going to give you two suggestions. Firstly, that 
Encouraging someone else is something we do intentionally. Why not make it a daily discipline in your life? Every single day to encourage just one other person. Maybe set an alarm call on your phone just to remind you to do that. But the second suggestion I want to make is to do it spontaneously. You know, when someone's done something and encouragement can be in the form of that expression of gratitude, saying thank you to them and why you appreciate just what they did. And if you do that, you can add a random, a surprise element by contacting people that you don't normally engage with. Remember that the family is big. Don't just restrict your encouragement to your immediate network of friends. And let's not become consumers, but let's become appreciators. You know, this is just an example. I feel we've been so fortunate to have so many people at Ebby who have created videos for our online children's church. And I'm just saying this, if you personally appreciated one of those videos, then how often do you say a direct thank you to those people who made it? So, there's a challenge right off. For every one of us, a daily encouragement for one other person. Let's create a culture of encouragement. But when it comes to empathy, now, I think this goes a little bit further. It demands a bit more from us. What does our key verse for today say from Romans? Let us therefore make every effort. In other words, we're gonna to have to go out of our way to do this, to support someone, to help someone. When do people need empathy? Well, of course, there could be a whole load of reasons, but often those reasons boil down to two common reasons, hurt and or shame. Now, these two people on the road were hurt by recent events. And when Jesus came to them, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. It seems that Jesus' question stopped them in their tracks and they could not prevent their faces from revealing the feelings inside. I suspect that disappointment was their big hurt here. Now hurt can be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. We feel, all of us, pain and fear. And it can emanate from abuse, persecution, unkindness, mental health, illness, disability, discrimination, unfairness, loss, and so much more. Shame can be very internal. Shame for something we did or said, some big mistake we made, some embarrassing situation we experienced, some major sin that we committed. We might have hurt someone else. And do you know, you can even feel shame when someone else has abused you. Now, whether it is hurt or shame or both or something else, we can often react in a way so as to close down, to withdraw, to be silent, even hide away? How often do you feel hurt and the one thing you want to do is just run away? 
And I think this is why some people will tell this story. The church let me down, so I left. And in some cases, people leave church without even giving an opportunity to talk through, especially with those who let them down, what the issue was. If you take shame, for example, it needs three things to grow, to fester, to hurt even more. It needs secrecy, silence and judgment. And of course, none of those things make for building family, nor do they help the hurting individual. I, for one, really appreciated Andy Forrest's talk last Sunday. I thought it came across with raw honesty and openness. But Andy said that a big part of the help and healing came when instead of retreating, he talked the thing through with others. I love it that having opened the way, Jesus enabled the two people to talk out their story. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. Now, this is good. Instead of bottling it all up, Cleopas is letting go and explained all that had happened. And don't you sense, reading that, the release valve here of just talking it through. They say that empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. But the key is to listen and to listen well. And please don't think that something like empathy is something that psychologists have made up. To be honest, empathy was already in the Bible. James, in the book that he wrote, says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Romans 12:15 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You see, empathy is all there. And when Jesus saw these two people on the road, how easy it would have been for him to have made a ta-da moment. You know what I mean? He could have leapt out at them with a big, ta-da, here am I, I'm alive, come on, cheer up. But no, he walked alongside them. He asked a few helpful questions. He listened as they spelt out exactly what had happened. The revelation, if you like, the explanation, the advice came later. And I feel that when people are prepared to talk about their hurt, to reveal their shame or whatever it is that they're sharing with you face to face. They're making themselves vulnerable. And this is not weakness. To the contrary, this is strength. This is courage. And I think it's a great example too of family and community because it lets other people in to your life and to your experience.
And if we are invited to help and support, then this is the encouragement, listen well and listen hard. Don't jump in with assumptions or suggestions. Don't go full steam ahead to a conclusion. Don't try and fix the situation as if you're the expert. It can be helpful, of course, just to repeat back what you heard and observed so that your understanding can be clarified. But just being there and listening well will mean everything. Jesus walked along the road with these two Emmaus-bound people and he listens to them. But do ask questions. Open up the conversation and get a grasp of what's really being said. Jesus asked questions. What are you talking about? What's happened? And I think we need to try and understand the situation. But above all, listen to the feelings and the emotions that are being expressed, both verbally and non-verbally, of course. You may find even a sense of sharing those emotions. You might cry with the person who themselves are in tears. But when it comes to understanding and feeling and sharing of emotions, my advice is this, be authentic, be real, be careful and be wise. It seems to me that there are different levels of understanding. And I think it's helpful that we know where we stand within the specifics of the situation being shared. Firstly, there is a sense that we can all understand hurt. We all feel pain. We are all human beings. And so there is this commonality of understanding and feeling of suffering and pain. But in general terms, maybe there's something of that in Paul's reasoning when he wrote to the Corinthians, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Secondly, I want to suggest that you might have a greater and deeper understanding because you've actually gone through something very similar yourself. Over the years, my wife and I, we've come alongside a few parents who have children with additional needs. Now, given that we ourselves had a child who attended a special school because of his needs, we had an understanding, we shared the experience. And that, I think, helped a lot. It brings a fresh meaning to what Paul said to Corinth again. We know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you also share in our comfort. Lastly, I want to suggest this. Be aware and have your eyes wide open to the fact that you might actually have little true understanding of the pain that is being communicated to you. And in these situations, above all, be honest, be open, be authentic. So here's a few observations. They're just observations. For example, saying something like, I know just what that feels like, might actually not be true at all. So don't say it. It won't feel right. Don't belittle the situation by suggesting that you've been through something far, far worse than the situation being communicated to you. Don't patronise the person by suggesting you're an authority in the matter. And can I say this, and I hope you all get this the right way, be careful in the use of verses from the Bible. 
For example, just saying, well, ask and it will be given to you. That may be biblical, scriptural, true, but it might not be helpful in that situation. And you're trying to show empathy and it doesn't come across like that. So we need to be careful, but above all, be authentic and real. I remember towards the end of last year watching a documentary on the TV. It was about the Black Lives Matter movement. And my heart went out to a mother being interviewed where she was explaining that she had to sit down with her small children and explain to them that when at school or when with other boys and girls, they might actually face abuse and insults just because of the colour of their skin. Now, whilst I can imagine how terrible that is, and whilst I'm a parent and have had small children myself, I cannot fully understand the pain and suffering that that lady experienced when as a dad, never once did I have to coach my boys about going to school and being insulted because of the colour of their skin. I can imagine how terrible that is. And as a human, I know what pain and what it feels like, but I can't fully understand what that mother went through. And I mustn't indicate or pretend that I do. So I could never say to that person, if I were helping at all in that situation, that I know just what it feels like. I don't, I really don't. People want and need honesty, openness, authenticity when we're trying to help. And that's when encouragement and empathy works and works well. I want to conclude with this thought. We all face times in our lives, every one of us, when we need help and the support of others. And that's the time when we need the family, we need the community around us. We need to learn to listen, to encourage, to empathise. But then the more we do this with one another, the deeper and more meaningful our relationships become. And this is when we experience true connection and engagement with one another, but I think as well with God himself. And yes, this will take effort on our part. But then what does our key verse say to us today? Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So may God bless you. And I pray and hope that these few thoughts will just help us in our ongoing journey together in becoming family. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the family that we are in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we confess and we say sorry for the many times when we've let one another down, we've let the family down, we've let ourselves down, we've got it wrong, but we pick ourselves up and say we're still committed to this family, the family of God that we are. So Lord, would you help us to encourage one another, to empathise with one another, to support and help each other, help us in our deepening of relationships and friendships and help us to glorify and honour you in doing just that. Give us help and strength, give us wisdom to do this well with each other, to become the family that we are. So bless us, we pray in your name. Amen.